your three compounds that you would use for a contest prep. If you could only pick three compounds. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with Skip Hill. Andrew Berry, I'm Scott McNally, and all of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings. Uh, this is going to be fun. I have a topic today. Uh, we're First of all, guys, here's what we're going to do. We've got two kind of mini topics. They're going to be interesting, entertaining, fun topics. And then after that, we have a bunch of your listener questions. Skip's been coaching for the past two decades. Andrew, you're at what, four, 14 years? 14, 15 years. I guess 14, like 15. I'm coaching for 13 years. So between the three of us, we've literally seen thousands of people transform their physiques. And we're here today to share our education with you, help you guys be better at this sport that we love. But to start, I've got a fun one. You got to pick your three compounds that you would use for a contest prep. If you could only pick three compounds... Go to Andrew first. Oh, okay. Um, so obviously, is this just for me or with clients? This Can is. Do me? This is. Well, give away what I do. <laughs> I don't. I don't care. <laughs> what did Andrew? What did you take to turn pro? No. Uh, what, yeah. what? What? What do you think in general? You know, let's let's say what if a. Uh, I mean, I, I guess yeah. What would you? I mean, I'm going to exclude one thing that I think a lot of people have in uh, testosterone. Um, You're kidding. You're not going to use test in a in a contest prep. Well, I like to use it up to a point, <laughs> but I actually end up looking better and better when I pull it out. So I'm definitely going to keep trend in there. Like, really? You know, the, yeah, there's no other compound I think that works better for me um, in terms of getting hard. Um, shit, man. So I'm going to go oh, just three. Come on. <laughs> I know. That's what makes it tough, right? Oh, shit. Okay. So trend. Uh, Got to add a DHD. So I'm going to say. Uh, it's a toss-up between Masteron and Winstrol. I'm probably going to say, I'm going to say Winstrol. Yeah. Okay. I would have said uh, Mast. Uh, see, that's <laughs> like I'm literally like this. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. it depends on what I ha- depends on what I have access to. If I have Winstrol, I'm happy. If I have uh, Masteron, I'm happy. So Trend, one of the DHTs, and then I'm going to go with GH. GH. I'm someone that responds really. Okay. Good. Yeah, and and, and people yeah. like. I, I use it the day, the night before the show. I will take a bottle of syrup. Nate's calling you see, out. Here's what I'd look at. Here's how I'd look at it. Okay. I'm building a Sunday, right? And, you know, I got my, my Tran ice cream. I've got my Masteron <laughs> ice cream. I've got my Winstrol ice cream. And then the Halo and Proviron are little sprinkles and the whipped cream yeah. that I put on top. It's a, so, but I think I can Superman? look sufficiently good. You ever see What's Superman? That? You ever see Superman ice cream? Yes. I feel like it would look like that, you know? Yeah, you're right. But so, tastes like the trend. Sprinkles are a little more toxic. I just yeah. Wanna... It, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not. Yeah, exactly. So, um, oh man, Nate threw that in there. So I he might be right. I might, I might actually have to swap the GH yeah, for Halo. Damn. Get the Let's jump to five. Let's jump to five. The, <laughs> yeah. Can we go to seven compounds? Right, right. Because we're not even if, we're not even could, talking about controlling estrogen. But then again, right. I don't need to do a lot of that because I don't have testosterone in the mix. So yeah, yeah. Uh, now Nate's right. I do really like Proviron and Halo testing um, over the last couple of weeks. I really think that adds the finishing touch. So it's it's a coin flip between GH and Halo testing, honestly. Okay. So Tran, 
we'll say Tran, Masteron, and um, either Halo or GH. So I snuck four in there. <laughs> either Halo or GH. Whichever. Whatever you got the money for. If you got extra money, go with the GH. If you're poor, just go with Halo. Right. Skip, how about you, man? <clears throat> well, can we assume then that that like an AI would not be, we're it's, not it's counting. A, we're a, not you counting. You gotta count it. You gotta really. Count it. Yeah, oh, it, an AI. Shit. These okay. it's a drug. So we gotta we gotta go to like six compounds. In. Yeah. I know. God damn. Oh, this, like, okay. This is a little bit tougher because I thought we were just talking about. We're really gonna pare it down. AAS. Okay. We're really gonna pare it down. The if you could only run <laughs> seven drugs on a contest prep. <laughs> I know, well, right. let me say okay. something real quick. One time I was training a woman right uh, in my gym, and she's very open minded, and she's just a regular Gen Pop client, and she was like, you know, I think she was like, oh, you did well at your show last week, right? And I was doing another one like the following weekend. And I'm like, yeah, I won my show. And I got now I'm doing a bigger one, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, so like you take steroids, right? And I'm like, yeah, you know. And she's like, so you just take like what? Like like one shot like on a Saturday or like once a week? And I'm like, oh, no, honey. Like I'm on like like nine different drugs today alone. And I added <laughs> more tomorrow. Like, you know what I mean? It was like she's like. Oh, <laughs> like her mouth just kept on dropping as I was naming names. She's like, that sounds real scientific. And I'm like. It is. It's bro science. <laughs> <laughs> it's better it's than science. Com- it's, it's completely <laughs> random. It's just whatever, whatever I have here. I want to take this today. <laughs> Kitchen sink approach. Right. Okay. So given your, I see, I don't want to say new parameters because I guess I just didn't understand. I thought we were not counting Three things compounds. like, you know, say clan and shit like that. So I will say this. I would probably go, and this will be, well, it won't be much different. But because I can't use anything to counter estrogen, so I'm going to, I would actually probably go then with EQ. Trend is is just absolutely like, we can talk about how it's not great for you and all that sort of shit. But seriously, who runs a prep, a serious prep with no fucking trend? Go home. Come on. I mean, you're just, you know, you're not going to do it. You're 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 basically natty. Yeah, exactly. If you're not doing trend, you're just natural. So I would probably go EQ trend and, and ah, I love Anavar. Anavar is the gold standard, but I probably, if forced, I would go with Winstraw as well. And I know that's very close to what you were saying, but that's being forced to take three. And the reality is, is we this isn't going to ever come to fruition, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> none of us are going to none of us are going to compete with those type of parameters. I'm not bringing what, what, what a gunfight. What was your list again, Skip? Then what were the three all together? I would go EQ Tren, and you know, and for what it's worth, I mean, I EQ Tren and what? I, and you guys, um, I would probably stick with Winstraw. EQ Tren. I would want to do. Let's okay. put it this way: I wouldn't be disappointed if I couldn't get Winstraw and I had to do Anavar, only because for me specific, that stuff it makes my muscles contract so hard that it feels like they're going to rip from the bone. It's insane. The contractile force that it, it's just like no other compound to me. I love that shit. Um, but like I said, being, being forced to the three, that's probably what I would, that's what I would go with. I think I came up with, I, I I thought I had my list situated, but I think I'm going to change it now. Let me ask you guys this. So first of all, I'm going to have test in there. Like I got to have test in there, period. I just feel like I need that. Um, that would be the foundation. And I I almost feel like if I had to, I could do a prep with just test and estrogen control. But let me ask you guys this. Do you think that you can effectively control estrogen with Masteron? 
effective. I don't. Are you how, how high is your testosterone? Yeah, that would be the yeah. thing I'm thinking would be. Exactly. I mean, if, if you're running a 200 mig a week testosterone, basically a TRT type dose. Yeah, absolutely. With, so with, I agree. I wonder about this. Like, what about this? What if I started with a little bit higher test? Not so crazy that I'm getting you know negative side effects from it lower mast and then as i closed in i ramped the mast up really high yep and lowered the test down i just thought of that while you guys were talking so that would be maybe a maybe a a strategy because initially initially i was gonna say test and then arimidex and then a fat burner i was gonna go with either clen or t3 because my thought was if i can get absolutely freaking peeled my my issue's never been to not like to to be harder, you know what I mean? So I think that f- that would be I think my goal would be to retain muscle, you know? Stay f- stay keep 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 as much as I can, keep well, the strength. You know what I mean? Keep well, the strength is, through the prep maybe. I'm just I'm well, thinking this feeling this out as I talk, you know. Well, no, because I don't think there's a wrong answer here. We're kind of I mean it's something we could all try. I'm not going to do it. No, but, god you know, no. I'm Hell not going to no. to three compounds. But <laughs> No, I like where you're going there, but I mean, because each one of us have individual strengths and weaknesses, I guess, you know, like for me, I need certain things to get grainy, 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 right? Versus, you know, but the other thing is like, and this is odd because I know people like bullshit, but like for me, once I pull the test, I feel like I get fuller and rounder too. And yes. And I know that goes contrary to common sense. Uh, as well but the minute i pull that shit out like shoulders are just instantly rounder two days later and you know like things i'm obviously the graininess is coming out but shoulders are rounder arms look bigger um legs have a little bit more fullness to them it's really weird i know but that's been something we learned i think back in 2016 or so and it's kind of something i've stuck with huh and but that cuts to how individual each person is. It, That's I don't what I think say. it's I don't think it's weird as much as the fact that you came to that because some people will be so locked into a certain way of doing things. And honestly, a lot of them are us older guys. We get locked into this and, yeah. and we don't want to give into change because this is the way it's supposed to be. And then you will not notice and ever know if you respond differently. That's the I don't know. Well, I guess let me give you also another scenario. Um, you guys probably get this where clients will ask it like 20 weeks out, like, okay, what's, what's the protocol for the whole prep for drugs. Right. And you're like, well, look, I'm going to just give you a template with very like generic numbers on them. Yeah. But really it's just so, you know, roughly when to have those compounds, right. if we are going to even use them. So just so you're ahead of the game in terms of having, but like, don't read this as a, I'm telling you to don't take this screen this cap it. Or not. And send yeah. it to everybody on the well, internet. Well, no, like, <laughs> because the doses are very noxious. They're not like, they're not nothing crazy, right? Yeah. But it's more so like, don't just start taking this. Like, I'm going to tell you what I would do in your situation each week. Yeah. But this is just so you know, okay, have Tren or Mastron or whatever, like, available if, you know, because there's a certain time period where I'm thinking about adding things in based off how the client is looking. And obviously, we always, I think all three of us are in the camp of let's take the least amount possible. Let's not just throw something on paper and say, oh, I have all my guys do a thousand megs of trend or whatever. I, I've seen right. some of these these write-ups where 20 weeks out, they're doing a thousand megs of trend, a thousand megs of EQ, a thousand megs of test, Good and God. like a bunch of orals. And then the big switch from from at the tw- at the ten week out point is switch from trend E to trend A at a thousand yeah. megs a week. Oh my god! And I'm like, 
20 fucking weeks of trend like jesus guy yeah well, it's funny too because i was just going to mention that earlier about the difference between e and a and and see what you guys thought about it i i'm to the point this is just me individually i do not like trend and anthony or i don't either the, um, <clears throat> or the other um help me hex i don't I like hexacarbonate yeah, it, you know, and there's something I don't know what it is I don't like, but I don't like it. Over time, it's like it just becomes I feel like shit on it and I have never felt that way with acetate and that's why I I tried it a little well, quite a while actually in like 16 or 17 and I never went back to it and I'm not going back to it. It's to me it's night and day. I can honestly say I just hate the fucking compound, both of them. I don't like them. Well, this so also when, I guess what I'm saying is when it comes to trend, I should have been more specific and said, like, because we were both saying trend, I just wanted to say, to be specific, trend A, because to me, trend mm -hmm. A and the other trends are, they're, to me, they're a completely different league. Yeah. I think that speaks to, like, the enzymes that you have that we all individually have that break down mm -hmm. uh, different concentrations in muscle tissue that break down the esters and how the, the drug is released. But this brings me back to the thing that me and Scott, I think, were talking about maybe, like, a month or two ago. Um, just privately about um, taking your injections and splitting them up to daily versus mm. uh, every other day or every third day. Remember we were talking about that and in terms of side effects, like um, it sounds insomnia, like something we would talk about. Yeah, no, I think we were texting or maybe we had a, a voice. I can't remember, but, um, and I said recent over the last couple of years, I've been switching instead of like an every other day thing, even with your fast acting compounds, I've been doing them into like more micro dosing into every day. Yeah. And the last couple of preps, I have not had like the insomnia, the crazy, crazy night sweats, um, all those things that we typically get as side effects from Trembolone or some of the other compounds, for instance, I, I find that splitting the dose up, even if it's if you're still taking tests and you're only taking 300 megs a week, breaking that up into like 50 milligram doses a day versus every other day of 100. I find just that even keel versus that. I find that that helps out and it's more beneficial in terms of the side effects. And I the agree. look is still the same. I agree totally. You did then too, so I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. All right, listen. Uh, so let's just move on to our questions. I had this other little mini topic. But uh, we don't have enough time for it because we, we have a ton of questions. If you guys want to take part in the next show, uh, comment below and we'll tackle your questions on the next episode. But until then, we have a ton. Um, I'm going to start with this one from Travis. He says, uh, the use of intensity amplifiers during a prep, say the final t uh, 10 weeks. Yes, no, maybe, and why? I'll go. Or you want to go skip oh, like i have to out. because i can't bring my yeah i think i'm good now um okay. this will be a good one i think because we may have differing opinions on this um i i'm not big on going overboard on intensity as your recovery and your calories are coming down and, and kind of getting in the way of recovery i'm okay with them if they're going to replace like if you're going to go lighter weights and not go like to failure and and go ridiculously like say rest pause or something so i kind of look at intensity like if you're going to do say a superset or something along that line versus rest pause or you know fucking you know focus on negatives and things like that i mean you got to really kind of dig into the actual intensity technique itself to be more specific as to you know what you're using but i don't like to 
to go overboard on them because I just think that fry, you have the potential to fry your CNS. Yeah. And especially if you're late in a prep when you're low on calories and your caloric output is so high with cardio that, you know, you could be asking for trouble. And it's something I have actually fought with in my brain myself because I, I admit this, I have seen guys back off in prep and I can't do it. I'm just being honest, but I've seen guys back off and they almost always look better when they're backed mm. off, when they start to back off at like that six week out mark. It's not that they're not training hard, but they're not training balls out, you know, to failure, things like that. And they end up looking a whole lot better. And I would bet that they run a, a lesser risk of injury and things. But try pulling back when it gets closer to the show. It's like the hardest fucking thing to do ever. Am I completely off base with what you guys think? I look at it this way. Like, don't start adding a completely different training style in when you start your prep. Like, the training that you're doing in the offseason should be the roughly the training that you're doing to get you to stage. Now, you know, now we're talking about intensity techniques, whether it be drop sets, partials, rest pause, uh, static holds, uh, compound, uh, you know, um, cluster sets. Um, what else? So my point is, is if you're just a straight set kind of person, I wouldn't be adding that in because it's prep time. You know, yeah, you're, you're not going to use it to get leaner, right? You're like, you're not thinking like, oh, I'm going to shape the muscle well, by. Yeah, you yeah know. not shape the muscle. Yeah. But but I yeah. do think and I think someone like Nate Spears, a great example, his brutal hard training that he does off season right through to the show day almost is what allows him to get away with less with eating more cal- uh, calories and doing a little mm. less cardio than someone else. Not because he's just so genetically blessed. It's just that he takes every training session as seriously as he does in the off season as he does, you know, three weeks out from the show. So I do think if you're someone that taps into intensity techniques and you're going balls to the wall year round, I don't think you should necessarily pull it out. But now I also do think from a coaching standpoint, we probably all have questions. You know, one of our questions is, is like, how's your training going? How was your training this week? Someone can reply back like, oh, man, the muscle's feeling kind of dead. I I lost some strength in a few exercises, whatever. To Skip's point, that's a great point or time where a coach can step in and say, "Okay, this week, let's pull it down a little bit. Let's either drop some volume. Let's drop an intensity technique that you're doing and let's work on the recovery a little bit more. And then, you know, chances are nine out of ten times if the prep's going smoothly next week, they're like, oh, I feel great again. Yeah. Okay. Right. So add a little bit of the stuff back in. You know, I do think there's a point about ten days out from the show where you do need to tamper it down a little bit. And what I tell people to do, I was like, is you know, I don't want you to completely change your mindset. But what I do want you to do is basically just go to failure, but don't do anything that's going to take you beyond there. And let's maybe pull either one exercise out of your routine or pull one set from several different exercises, so the volume is a little bit lower. Uh, and you know, like, like legs is the hardest muscle group, right? Usually I'll tell people like, I want you to stop training your legs either 10 to seven days based off their feedback as well. If they know like, oh, I look really good when I train my legs seven days out and the separation's all there seven days later. Great. We'll go with that. Me, myself, I stopped the last couple of years. I've stopped training my legs um, 10 days out and maybe on like the Saturday before show, I'll do like three sets of hams, three sets of leg extensions and maybe a few walking lunges. And that's about it. And I felt like my legs have really come back because of, I've taken that approach of giving them the time off that they need to really come out full, uh, as full as they can be. So that's just my take. I like that. Yeah, I think that, you know, I think I've talked about it on other programs, too. But uh, I think that there is something to be said about not overstressing yourself. I think you're onto something, Skip. I think you're onto something that 
if 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 you are kind of just beating the hell out of yourself, you're not going to look your best. And that's been something I've kind of been experimenting more with people, even just this year, people that I know train really hard, people that I know are going to push it really hard. It's like two weeks out from a show, you're you're not going to, you know, middleweight isn't going to lose any muscle. He's not going to grow any muscle either. So right. he doesn't need to have like the hardest leg workout that he's ever had right. in his life. You know, right. there's, there's no sense in that. Um, mm -hmm. I'm thinking of where would I add a intensifier in? And I'm thinking just for myself, and this is just something intuitive. And I picture myself in the gym feeling weaker. Like I can't, like maybe I grabbed the whatever I was using, we'll say the hundred pound dumbbells and I'm doing a, a dumbbell press with them and I get like four or five reps and I feel like ah, I just can't get what I want. Then maybe drop those and grab the eighties and finish that sure. set. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like to keep yeah. that, keep that energy going, keep the, keep the pump happening, yeah. keep the extras, you know, keep things intense. Maybe I can't do it with the weight I was using before, but I might be able to kind of pop it up with a drop set, you know, something like but that. But not to leave the gym and go, oh my God, that's what I need to do. But to take that as a sign, go, I'm beat to shit. Because this comes to, and, and I know we got to move on, but I want to ask you guys this, because I will deload clients sometimes and have them on, you know, cruise, deload, sometimes at seven, eight, nine weeks out, because that's a good time to pull back, make sure that everything is good before stepping on the gas again for like kind of like that last leg. How could that cat possibly be out when I just put that fucking cat in the room? You guys, I apologize for the distraction. I've had to get up twice because I'm trying to get this we hardly hear it. To be quiet. Okay, fair yeah, enough. I, I can hear it. You're good. Skip. Okay, I'm glad to hear that. So now I'm the distraction talking about my cat. <laughs> That's usually what you do. I'll, You're like, uh, if you notice, I muted my microphone so that I could cough. <laughs> I know. I usually, yeah, I come back. And did you guys see my? I could have just. Did gone. you guys see my story last week? Uh, I was doing this thing about like, uh, what was it? Like things and what is it? I said uh, cat people. The people that have cats for some reason always like to share in their updates how their freaking cats are doing. You guys, <laughs> I'm gonna have to unblock you. I missed that. <laughs> yeah. no i'm kidding i actually but i got so many people. i usually see your stuff i got so many people on their next updates right and be like so my cat has been uh, jumping on the bed at night and, and they're like oh, i'm just fucking with you i don't have a cat <laughs> all right let me see here how about um i'm gonna betsy come over here come and hang out with me i'm gonna i'll get you situated just hang on uh thoughts <laughs> on heavy sled pushes and drags for leg hypertrophy I got to situate this dog for hypertrophy. I don't know. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't, I don't do it. I don't know that it would be necessarily bad, but I'm thinking for maybe for some intense hit cardio, maybe, but not for flat out size. Will you? Do you think, I don't want to go against if If you're thinking of something, I'm not well, because push it up always... a fucking slant. Like it's like a grade in Colorado where we had to, it's like a 9% grade. I guess if you push it up something like that, maybe, but there's so much other shit going on from shoulders to, you know, chest and, I, I you know, the it, pushing and the calves. I'm like, I don't know. It comes down to the, um, you know, the, 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 the type of muscle cell that it's hitting. Right. So maybe you're going to get some type one muscle fiber activation with that type of work, but it's not something I'm writing in the programs, you know, yeah, um, it's not something I'm doing thing, myself. Yeah. I do. I used to do that for football training. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and yeah. hypertrophy is not the name of the game when it comes to football training. So, uh, but you know, let me I'll ask tell, you this. What this. if it was if calves? Go ahead. Finish. I totally butted in. Well, 
Well, I was going to say, if he's seeing results from doing it, then by all means, like, please keep doing it. You know, like just because we think something is right or wrong, if you're seeing results from it, even if every scientific paper out there says this Mm -hmm. isn't going to work for you, but if you're doing it and you're seeing results, then screw it. Keep doing it. Yeah, Uh, exactly. Back to your point. Well, what I was thinking was like, because I'm, I'm mulling this over my head, I'm thinking, what if he means calves? Because if you were pushing from your toes and you were driving, that could be something that the calves would not be used to. And that could be, now, it, there's a lot of your entire body being used, but it would fry the shit out of your calves to move well, remember, and from the toes. Did Dante ever know, give you... Did, did, did Dante ever give you the tri- the uh, calf tool where you, you, put the, you don't even turn the treadmill on? And you put it on an incline and you walk just on your toes for like 10 minutes. Oh, do you ever God. have you do that? Oh, no, Ken. I've never you, heard that before. Who's oh, that? was something that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just thought that oh, was actually, fucking hilarious. You know I what? Know. Nate, actually, Nate just brought up a point. Have you ever seen um, John Meadows has some videos up on his website of um, at the end, like you superset like a leg press or a leg extension with reverse sled drags. So you get some bands and you wrap around your waist and you wrap around the sled apparatus. You get into the squat position. You're not yeah. coming up at all and you're just walking backwards. That will burn the shit out of your quads. So, but that's different than I think what this other guy was talking about. Yeah. Um, where yeah. you're just forward pushing it. But Nate, Nate brings up a really good point. If anyone that has, uh, they're just, they're just reverse sled drags where you got a band ac- around your waist and it has to be a band. You can't use a rope or a harness. The band, yeah. for some reason, and you just get it back to where it's really taut, and then you just take slow steps backwards, and that will burn the shit out of your quads. Real quick, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but let me ask you this. Do you think that there's anybody – I know I have thought myself, oh, you know, I'm relatively innovative when it comes to training. Did John Meadows not just basically – literally metaphorically slap us all in the face and make you go, I am nowhere near as innovative with exercise. Cause I thought I'd thought of fucking everything. And I'd see somebody do like, God damn, I would have never thought about putting a resistance band on a dumbbell to do pullovers. What the fuck? That's a great idea. I, yeah. I, I think he was just not afraid to do that stuff and show people yeah. to do it. Cause yeah. we've all had ideas on different but it was things, never but dumb was just- shit. You, you, yeah. you didn't see anything. He didn't do anything stupid. It was well, like legit, we, maybe like, we didn't see them all. You know what I'm saying? That's maybe, true. Yeah. He wouldn't post it. <laughs> <laughs> but he had the foresight to know that it was stupid, so he didn't want to. Oh post man, it. that, that makes, would have been that a great. Smart anyway. That would have been a great video with him. Like John, what are the four? dumb exercises that you never showed us you know they're they're still on your phone that you can't bring yourself to post (laughs) yeah that would have been great what about this so uh, well i have two things number one i gotta tell you i'm working with a guy who was a former uh professional cyclist shout out to eric in canada uh this guy so this is what he did for i think from the time he was 18 to 26 i think 24 maybe did it for like at least 6 years not a not a huge upper body you know he he's got some muscle but he's definitely like average size up top legs are like freaking olympia wheels like flat out yeah. crazy like i i i'm sure he wouldn't mind if i privately showed you guys his picture i can't post it publicly though like i look at his legs and it blows my mind because he has an average build he's like average frame 
Nothing about him says like crazy. Now I'm excited to see what we can do with his upper body because his legs have proven. Here's like, what you do. They're crazy. They're like 28 inches, 30 the, inches. I'm going to pull a John Meadows right here. All you do, seriously, is take him, turn him upside down on his bike, and he pedals with his fucking arms, and his upper body will be huge. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right about that. The uh, cyclists, the Olympic cyclists, have massive quads. And I'm always blown away. Why do they have one quad that's bigger than the other, like massively bigger? Yeah. You notice that? No. Look, I, have uh, I can show you that. some pictures. There's like some top guy. I can't remember his name That from like four or five years ago. We were all throwing the, his pictures around. And like his left one is like twice the size of his right. And his right one is better than most national level bodybuilders. Huh. But his left, you're like, that's like Big Rami's leg up there. Um, I don't know if it has to do if he does like that that shorter circuit stuff and maybe you're pushing more with one leg or something. I wonder. I don't really know enough about it, but um, but I remember a couple of years ago there was a big movement with guys doing spin bike before they started their leg workouts to really like blast the quads before Jean they moved on Fuchs. to like a squat. Jean Pierre Fuchs. Fuchs. What about him? He did that. What about him? He did that. He had like did he? A, he had a circuit where he would like get on the bike for five minutes, hit it as hard as he could, and then squat right after that. Okay, gotcha. Really? gotcha. We talked about yeah. that, remember, Scott? Did we? Early on when I was having the knee problems and we were talking about how the resistance on oh, a recumbent cycling. bike could really mimic that type of – and that there might be a use for that for hypertrophy because the repetition range is just so massive, and obviously it would be primarily – yeah, I mean, I guess you could do it either way. You could do explosive short-term. But, I mean, you could really dig in, I think, you could dig into type 2 fibers maybe a little bit better doing that because you, it's just constant. There's no break. You're just constantly pushing. And there's no real eccentric either, though. It's mostly just concentric to push. I, yeah, it's yeah. kind of so, an odd. So you're not creating yeah. the muscle damage. You're not creating the same right. muscle damage. So it shows that there's other mechanisms of muscular mm -hmm. growth, hypertrophy, than just the traditional. Yeah. All, all, mm -hmm. all the growth is caused during, from the eccentric phase of, yeah. the, of the tearing yeah. of the muscle fibers. So, I mean, this is something that we could probably all learn a lot more about. But, I mean, I'm not getting on a bike and doing that stuff before. I know. I, that, I was thinking the same thing. But then it brings the other question with cycling, um, much like the argument with, you know, deadlifters in their back. Do people who cycle get big legs because of the cycling or are they so good when they start cycling because they have the genetic predisposition that they're good right out of the gate and then they just basically – like play on that and they build on that already that their muscles are made up genetically to be yeah I, this is what like, i always said about johnny o jackson is, does he deadlift did, did he have a shitty back and then deadlift and building i know it, that's a very good point and that's what i'm thinking you know. because i think people might get the wrong idea and think oh well shit anybody i got really weak legs so i'm gonna get on a cycle i'm gonna get huge legs it, it probably is not gonna work that way correlation and causation yeah. it's just it's not always the same shit I'll tell you what, I grew my yeah. legs pretty well when I was a kid. I got a, I, I, I saved up my money uh, for my summer job. I bought a mountain bike and I rode that thing everywhere. You know, I didn't have my driver's license yet. And I remember my shorts like stretching out around my legs by the end of the summer. And I remember my buddy pointed it out. He was like, dude, your legs look crazy. Like I didn't work out at the time. I looked down, there's like veins going through my calves and everything. So I don't know which <laughs> well, it was. Well, that's awesome. coming back to your calves, though. Genetically, yeah, I, you have that retarded calf thing. So that's that's there. That's some that's some because I caught when I was younger. I would get up every single time because my my arm wasn't very good, so I couldn't throw from my knees. 
but my fucking legs ain't big. They've never been big. No one's ever going to look at my legs and go, those legs are fucking big. So I know that didn't fucking work. (laughs) All right. What else we got here? Okay. Um, Thoughts on training routines. Does training push-pull legs versus one muscle group a day change the amount of muscle you can grow? Most big bodybuilders do the one muscle group a week. Uh, I always train hard, but I did push-pull legs for a big majority of my lifting experience. I don't know if it's true that most big bodybuilders do one body part a day. I mean, I think that was in the time period of like, say the nineties and early two thousands, I think. But then when people like Dante and some of the other, uh, you know, maybe some Mike Menser um, influences came out, Dorian, um, I know Dor. Yeah. Sorry, Dorian. I don't know. I forgot Dorian, but like, I, I know a lot of top bodybuilders, you know, in the professional status now that do more of a push pull legs or a push pull legs arms, or they, they, they put body parts together. So I don't yeah. know if it's true that, all the best bodybuilders today just do. But then again, like all the very, very best bodybuilders today get big off any training program you give them. Bingo. You know what I mean? Bingo. Like, so I mean, it goes back to genetics are the number one thing in our sport. Like the, the earlier you realize that, I think the better you're going to feel about yourself as a bodybuilder, that genetics are the number one driver. If you're doing all the right things, you're training, yeah, JP, as Nate mentioned, if you're training hard, you're eating your six meals a day, you're, you know, bodybuilding foods, you're doing what it takes to be a bodybuilder you got to understand that genetics are the number one uh, thing that are going to take you or that's going to limit or take you as far as you're going to go. So I got, no. to get back, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I got something. I think of Scott Stevenson because he was the one, it was through podcasting with him and Jordan for the first two years of muscle minds or so first year and a half uh, that I was really challenged because I was on a podcast with two guys that loved super high frequency, you know, or, or higher frequency. And at the time I couldn't get with it and they planted seeds though. And eventually it made sense, but it it took a while to set in and for me to actually uh, adopt that. But I truly do believe in my heart that there is something to be said for guys who do have weaker genetics to do a higher frequency training system that every time we train, we upregulate all those growth factors that happen in the muscle and protein synthesis and all of that. And, and that what I've kind of concluded myself is, and, and this is through talking to Scott, seeing my own experience and experience with a lot of people is that maybe a guy like, and, and it, it is a lot of Scott Stevenson is that uh, maybe a guy like Brandon Curry, because we, we interviewed Brandon and we we really picked apart like how he grows Maybe a guy like Brandon Curry can train once a week and he gets all those growth factors and they just continue to cascade until that week later when he trains that body part again. But a guy like me, I might only get that for a day or two. So the more frequently I can hit a muscle group, the better off I'm going to be. The caveat to that is being able to recover. So that's it's all about trying to figure out the amount that you can tolerate. So I would say that I think that for somebody who isn't genetically blessed, my thought would be that you could grow more muscle on a push-pull legs if you can set it up so that you can get everything you can out of it and recover. That when we talk about can you how what do you need to do to recover, then that's when we start talking about getting rid of junk volume, you know, and that's a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. But I personally think that yes, in my opinion, a system that allows you to train more frequently is going to allow you to get those those growth factors that you know it, 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 happening that that increased protein synthesis say 
uh, if you train close to twice a week, not at, let's let's say you're close to twice a week, then we can say that the guy once a week he gets that stimulus 52 times versus you get it a hundred times. You know, that was the old cycle for pennies uh, argument. Yeah, I think there's Remember so that? much truth to that. I wish I wish that something I would have that would have clicked with me sooner. I, I really do because I've seen in dude in my forties, I've been able to make tremendous progress. Granted COVID's kind of screwed me up still at this point, I'm still recovering, but I had seen finally the light. <laughs> so, so by I shall, training I more shall preach. Yes. By training more okay. frequently. Cause yeah. I'm going to go the opposite way and say that every single time I try it, it does not work. And the second I go back to training less frequently, it works. And this comes to my point. Well, there's a couple reasons, but the main point here is the the delicate balance between volume, frequency, and intensity. Yes. And for some reason, as I put up each finger, I had to look at them to like make sure they came up or something. I don't know what the fuck I was doing. Did number two come up? Anyway, the, it's such a delicate balance. And this is why there are a lot of components to answering a question like this, because I know myself, as soon as I go to the frequency thing or I become... I go to more frequent training. I don't want to pull back on intensity and I'll pull back on volume, but I still don't like to. But the intensity thing is it's off the table. I'm either going to train the way that I fucking train and adjust volume and frequency, or I'm just staying home and I'm going to drink fucking Mountain Dew and eat Cheetos. That's just after doing it for so long, there are things that I won't give up and I won't give up training the way that I train. So, and to me, it's more black and white. So that from there where I know where my intensity level is, and I'm not saying it's like off the charts and I train harder than Dusty and fuck you guys, your pussies. What I'm saying is I have that level where that's where I want to train. So I'm not going to change that. So then from there, and I'm, I'm explaining this so that people can get an understanding of how I process it. Maybe they can process it the same way. So then I have two things left. If I'm not going to, I'm not willing to move on the intensity. And you shouldn't, it's you be, shouldn't, you need well, that you, intensity yeah. in order to, and in order to exactly. do something you hadn't done before in order to grow, you know? And that makes one of those three variables constant. So I can eliminate that being the issue. Ah. And then I can just focus on now the last two variables. And that is frequency and volume. Volume's easier to control. I think than frequency just because, and this is my particular situation. When I train frequently, there's a lot more time involved because it takes me just as long to warm up yeah. for chest. If I'm going to train twice a week with nine sets versus four sets, it, there's still that time. And one thing I have noticed with me, and I don't know if it's because I'm older or it's just me or what, but the more frequent I train, the more my joints fucking hurt. They hurt and they feel, and this isn't what they are, but they feel brittle. They feel achy. And then the second I change back to less frequent, within two weeks, my poundages are going up. The pumps are insane. My joints feel great. And I'm like, what in the, why do I keep fucking trying? And you know why? Honestly, because I keep coming back to going, well, if I could train chest more, you know, 72 times instead of, and and I'm not knocking the system. I'm not. But what I'm saying is there's just a lot of variables. So if you're older and you're training more intensely and you can, it, the more years you train, the more in, intensely you can, you can train. You don't think so until you 
get there and then you go, oh shit. And now I know in five years, I might be able to train even more intensely, which probably at my age is not true. But as you go through your, you know, your late twenties and into your thirties, you can generate more intensity because you have more muscle tissue. There's nerve pathway, the neural pathways and shit like that. You just have a better connection. You know how to train versus moving a weight from point A to point B. So I think that that the frequency is better for people who not necessarily even genetically gifted, even though that plays a part, but the people who are new, who need to build those neural pathways and, and feel what a muscle feels like when they're training. Wait, and you mean they, higher frequency or lower frequency? Higher frequency because they don't see have the ability to generate the intensity that someone does who's been training for 10 or 15 years. Now, that's not to say that once you train for 10 or 15 years that you can't train more frequently, but then it becomes the genetic component where when people first start out, it might not be as much of a genetic component because if you trained only once a week, you don't have those neural pathways. You're not digging into that muscle like you would in 10 years of, after 10 years of training. In my opinion, <laughs> most people. I got to tell you, Eric just texted me. So like I said, he's, he's a ectomorph looking guy. All right. Uh, his quads are 27 and a half inches. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> he's impressive. a fucking monster. How much does he weigh? Uh, I'm not, I can't remember offhand. I can't remember okay. offhand. But, but yeah. But is he like 250 or is he like 200? No, no, no. He's he's he looked. He's he's just getting into bodybuilding. Okay. Like he's just. And he was into a cyclist before, so he's probably even lighter Lean. than 200. More like 27. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was. Okay. That's what I'm getting. At. Yeah. Can I add one more caveat to the discussion? Yeah. Yeah. Um, about the frequency and and, and ex- volume, etc. Uh, I'm thinking also like you shouldn't be afraid to adjust it based off the state you're in. And I'll just give you an example of myself. Okay. I was training five to six days a week for my prep geared up, motivated, blah, 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 blah. After the shows, after the season, you know, there's a little bit of post-show depression, you know, Meadows passed away. So there's that going on. I had a lot of travel going on and I got COVID. Okay. So my idea of, of having a really great post-show rebound phase and maximizing every little detail that flew out the window within a few days or weeks. I bet. So I, yeah, right. So, so I changed my course of action. I pulled all the compounds and I pulled my training back to just three days a week on a push, pull, split, push, pull, leg split, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's it. And I'm doing great on it. I'm hitting PRs. I'm getting stronger and I'm not even trying to train that hard right now. Like it's more of like a recovery (laughs) thing, but we'll do one or two good sets every, every session and we'll really bang it out. And I've hit a few PRs and a few different exercises without even trying. Uh, But my point is that the different states you are in at, throughout the year as a bodybuilder, when you're all geared up, you know, your muscle, your muscle protein synthesis ability is going to be increased. So you might be able to handle a little bit more of a volume or a frequency. Whereas right. when you're pulling it back to cruise dosing, you know, the muscle building factory is not operating at full capacity. Right. So in my, in that sense, that's kind of how I base a lot of things I do with myself and clients, you know, just to give you an example, like if someone's a five day a week trainer and then we pull them back to cruising, usually like two weeks into it, you know, I'll, I'll ask them how they're doing, how's the training going. And they might report like, ah, you know, I'm feeling a little bit run down. Okay. Great time to pull it back to four days a week and let's maximize Mm -hmm. those four days a week and continue maximizing all the other variables, nutrition, sleep, rest, et cetera. So I do think, you don't have to be so dogmatic. There's that word again, and locked yeah, in it's a good one. to one, to one particular mode of training for yourself, or or one um, one one particular mode of frequency, volume, etc. I do think you can tailor it to where you're at through the year, whether it's based off stress, compounds you're running, 
uh, yeah, because like, you know, if you have a lot of travel coming up for work and we all know at this age, when you're traveling, you don't feel right for two or three days. Digestion isn't right. You're going to a new gym usually where you don't know the machines. You don't know all the little idiosyncrasies of like, oh, this machine feels great where I put my feet right here. So you're, you're not really able to go a hundred percent. Um, I do think, you know, you can tailor this, this kind of, you know, wave of, of frequency and volume up and down based off the state you're in during the year. I totally Absolutely. agree with that. Yeah, I think one of the other points that Scott always makes is in, in you know, something we've talked about, too, is that, you know, what what would work best for you? It kind of depends. What are you doing now? You know, for a guy who's always trained one time a week, then maybe he will blow up going to, you know, higher frequency. But maybe a guy who's just right. slamming that frequency, then maybe he'd be better off to pull back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. One thing I will say is, you know, for someone that's a one body part a week or whatever type of person, I wouldn't jump to train on that body part two times a week. Like maybe you get on yeah. a split to where you're getting yeah. a body part for a second time. Like if you're Monday, you know, push, pull, let, then you hit the, 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 the push again on a Friday. So don't jump right. to, if you're going to try this to, to increase your frequency and, and your don't try to jump and do, oh, I'm going to train everything like Ronnie did on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm, I'm hitting those same muscle groups as hard as he did. You know, yeah. he's a genetic freak. He's a special uh, person that can get away with that kind of stuff. Most of us, not so mm-hmm. much. All right. Let's see what else do we have here. A lot of good questions today. Um, I love the training questions. I okay. could do an cool. entire podcast on training. I love it. Well, Skip, you may be in luck here. We got another and training cats. question. Cat questions. So. We got another training question <laughs> just for you. All right. Okay. So now let's take it to like ultra high frequency. Training twice a day. Uh, Jason Sexton. He says training twice a day. For instance back width and thickness am and chest shoulders and tries pm skip no comments on back width and thickness hmm, no problem <laughs> uh, but i but i will comment and say that i am not a fan of split um to work two workouts in a day i think if you're going to do it you better be genetically arnold predisposed yeah you better have retarded genetics because otherwise it ends up in my opinion being a giant waste of time and i think and we'll use back and chest as an example he trains back in the morning chest in my opinion is not going to be trained very effectively because you're using those muscles for heavy chest pressing and they're already fatigued and honestly you might fucking cramp from it yeah i'm not even thinking even about the arch the in your back I'm thinking, about, I'm thinking about the uh, neurologically like how are you mm-hmm. going to get it up no pun intended for, for, for two body parts after you've already shot your wad, no other pun intended, Absolutely. In, yeah. in a morning workout. There's just no way. Like if you did a heavy, 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 like, uh, you know, leg session with squats, hack squats, like whatever, there's no way you're going to come in and, and do your max bench later on that day. Or you're if you're able to do it once, you're not going to be able to maintain or sustain that, that type of approach for long term. Mm-hmm. So maybe if I you're agree. going in, you're doing like chest and shoulders in the morning and you go in at night and you're doing like buys and tries, maybe. Sure. Yeah, but then maybe. like, what are you going to yeah. do the next day? You know, mm-hmm. if someone's going to do that, I'm like, okay, go do your calves and abs at night, you know, there you go. or yeah, you know, I, I just, I just don't see it I being agree. a even close to short-term successful approach, unless you are one of the top 0.5% genetically gifted people out there. Yeah. And let me add this too. If the person asks, and, and this is me assuming, so I don't want to sound like a dick when I say this, but if the person asking the question is now listening to us and going, well, I can train like a motherfucker twice a day. You can't you and you can't in the sense that you think you are 
But if you take those two workouts and let's just say not even on two different days, you train back on Monday and you come back and train chess on Tuesday, you give me both of those workouts with that focus and that type of like energy and mindset and every, and then I'll patch on the back and I'll agree with you. But honestly, it's, it's almost impossible. And I would say really to this point, if you said you can't do it, Andrew, and I said, I can't do it, Scott, can you do it? No, God, no, hell no. It's, it's probably not likely. And we have, I don't even know how many training years. Now, if this guy comes back and he's a pro or he's getting ready to turn pro and he's got 40 pounds and he's only, he's been training for 15 years, then I'll stand corrected and I'll admit it. But I don't, there's only one I just, pro I, can I would think find of. it hard to believe. Kevin Lebron. pro I can think of that did a, <laughs> well, okay. There's two pros. actually. I, I don't know. Kevin's <laughs> exactly. But exactly. No, not even Ronnie. No, uh, Mark Dugdale. He did two times. Mark Dale for his. He did. Yep. Meadows, when he was working with Meadows, Meadows helped him out with a program where because he was doing DC type training all the way up to that, and it just keep on getting hurt, kept on getting hurt, and he reached reached out to Meadows, and Meadows had him doing more of a traditional mountain dog training program. But Mark wanted to train twice a day, and I can't remember exactly why. And it's there's a write up on this on T Nation somewhere if someone wants to look for it, and I think on our mountain dog website. But. Um, he would do something, but but I think John tailored his volume very appropriately so that he was able to sustain it. Now, the other thing is that Mark ran a business. He does like a Whole Foods type store. That's, yeah. that's not the name of it, but it's a very similar, like organic. He was on his feet all day as like the CEO and president of the company. He was he didn't do any cardio, I don't think, for that prep. So, yeah. you know, some people, a lot of people are doing like a cardio session at one point and a training session at night, maybe more cardio after that if they need to. I don't think he had to do a lick of cardio for that prep, um, but... I would say if you asked him, I think he would say that the one time training a day was more beneficial in terms of building muscle to get to where he was. I can tell you, I know Ronnie did do a split where he trained multiple times a day and Dusty did that last year. And the way it would work would be like back in the morning and then biceps in the afternoon or the evening kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, to me, that's just something like that, though. That's time. different. Yeah. Yeah. And what Dusty said about it was he was like, if you want to feel like you're full time bodybuilding, he was like, you get it up, you get up, you have enough time to like eat your food, eat a second meal. And, you know, you're mentally preparing to go to the gym if you if you're yeah. training after meal, too. Right. So then you go to the gym, you train. He's like, then you come home and you eat, you take a nap, you wake up. And then it's like, now you got to start mentally preparing for that second. He was like, you're plugged in full time to that. You know, he didn't. You know, How he's many not people have that now. much time to, right. to A, devote to training and B, devote to rest and recovery, though? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, sounds like he was eating, sleeping, training. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. And then he say it was effective for him. No, he's not doing it now. There you okay. go. Yeah, I think it was like just the time commitment in itself was just a lot, you know? Yeah. Well, mentally, when you're on Thursday and you've already done six workouts Monday through Wednesday, how do you get it up on Thursday morning or Thursday evening for the eighth workout of the week? I'm sorry. Yeah, like, I just yeah. don't think you start to hate the gym. I think at that point it becomes oh, yeah. something you have to do, some, not something that you want and get to do. So yeah. I think that's a big component too, you know, is getting, yeah. wanting to go to the gym versus, yeah. Oh, I have to go to the gym. So, yeah. mm-hmm. all right. We have one on arm training, um, arm training, emphasizing progressive overload or chase the pump. I've seen people I respect on both sides of the argument would love to hear y'all's y'all's take. And I'll be right back. I need to grab some Benadryl. I say you got to do them both. 
I think you got to do them both and see what basically what you respond to better because, and I'll use myself as an example, my arms have always been strong. Let me rephrase that. Everything that on me is so weak that my arms look strong in comparison. <laughs> so what I did was I, was I, what I did was I cut back on the arm training and then my arms grew even more. I was like, what the, what the fuck is going on here? So to me, I've always argued that it's one of been, it's been one of my main arguments for progressive overload is it's not the only way to build muscle because I am not as strong now or in the last say five years as I was 20 years ago, yet my arms are bigger. The other thing that I think is important that people need to know is with heavy pushing and heavy pulling comes arm development for most people. If you're, you know, bench pressing 315 or you're doing, you know, bent over rows of 275, 315, chins, things, you're going to get a lot of indirect growth. So then you have to figure out how much is too much when it comes to arm work in putting your arm because people will say well my arms are weak so i train them more frequently well you're already hitting them on heavy chest and heavy back too so then you have to consider sometimes when your arms aren't growing that it's more of a recovery issue and you need to train the arms less to allow for more growth there's a lot of shit going on when your arms aren't responding than there is when your chest isn't responding or your back isn't responding i think because i consider yeah, I them agree. almost secondary muscle muscle groups to be honest with you i know that's kind of a stretch because but they're just not, they're used so much that if you really break down the volume of your workout in a week, by the time you factor in every, all your upper body work and shit like that, you're actually hitting your arms more than you're hitting your chest and your back if, usually, or it's, or it's very yeah. close to the same and it's more frequent. <sighs> I yeah. grabbed a bush light. I don't really have much to add to that. Yeah. Um, I was going to try to turn it that way so you couldn't see the label. <laughs> I, I mean, hear what you me said. personally, I just stick to pump stuff for arms for the most part. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I did the rest pause thing, um, you know, back, especially when I was working with Dante and I was curling, you know, like 75 or 80 pound dumbbells. The form was probably horrible. If I were to look at it now, I'd say, oh man, that's not effective at all. You could do the same thing with a 40 or a 35 and really get a better bicep workout. Um, the other thing I think you will find and to Skip's point about already doing so much uh, upper body work and still taxing your arms is I think you add more arm volume in or you even do more of a progressive overload type thing after doing your upper body, I think it lends itself to your uh, tendonitis and, and all those different itises that, that you can get, epichondriolitis, totally. you know, just that, that inflammation. Because I find when I try to train an upper body part multiple times throughout the week, quite often that's when, even if I'm not training arms twice a week, I'm doing arms once a week, but I'm training the upper body a couple times a week, that's when I start to get the tendonitis type stuff. Yeah, yeah I totally agree with that. Do you guys have any uh, experience with injectable glutathione? Yeah, I took it today. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How are you so, liking that? All right. So here's – well, it's not something you're going to, like, notice. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're taking it for a health benefit, really, um, you know, for liver and everything. But what I what I have people do is, um, like, if, like, typically in a part of the post-show phase of, you know, cleaning out and helping, you know, getting healthy. Um, we'll do a CC or 200, 250 milligrams of injectable glutathione every day because that stuff burns so bad. If anyone's ever taken it, it I've it's heard got that. a bite to it. Yeah. It's got a pretty bad bite. Yeah. So I'll have them actually cut it 50-50 with um, injectable B12 or B complex and just double the, the amount. And I have them rotate sites like deltoids, um, side of your th uh, quads. Um, you know, I typically won't put it exactly in the same places where someone would also be injecting their injectables, their oils. 
um, because water and oil, obviously, um, if you want to create some inflammation, then go ahead and do that. It's going to hurt. But, um, but yeah, so, but again, it's in terms of, are you asking like in terms of results, in terms of like liver values or in terms of recovery? Or? Yeah, they're just at, he was asking, uh, you know, Arth, what, what did he say specifically? Uh, it was just, uh, what are your thoughts on injectable glutathione for liver support? Yeah, so I, I definitely do think it's something you could incorporate during prep. I typically don't do it during prep. I'll do it after because you're already sticking yourself with so many different compounds every day that it's like it becomes you, you have the mindset that you're going to be super healthy. I'm going to take every little thing under the sun yeah. for liver health or whatnot. I stick to the pills for that kind of stuff. And then after the show, when I pull all the hard stuff out, that's when I run the glutathione um, and even more, you know, um, you know, liver and organ recovery stuff. How are you dosing it? 200 to 250 milligrams a day. Okay, yeah, I thought it was a little bit higher than what I'm seeing here. Now, it is available orally. You know, I I had never used glutathione before, and uh, I got some strong capsules of it when I was sick, and it was the only thing. It made me nauseous. I couldn't take it uh, while I was Was sick. Was it glutathione or was it um, um, N-acetylcysteine? It was glutathione. But it made me, I mean, I was... Yeah, I was real. It's not obviously. It's not as bioavailable, you know. But it, yeah. it made me really sick. Scott Stevenson said the same thing. I don't think he's a big fan, if I'm not mistaken. I'm looking at oral uh, or injectable. Oral, oral. Gotcha. I'm looking at a Amino Asylum. By the way, use code Think for twenty percent off. They don't have it on its own. It looks it's called like. Liver Restore. No, oh, it is, is it's it called Liver Restore? Yeah, oh, okay, I, that's the one I use. That's oh, when I okay. use either that or I've got friends that send me uh, compounded pharmacy stuff too, but okay. I do use the amino asylum. It's called liver. Restore. And, and again, it burns the, the, the amino asylum stuff really burns. So it might even be overdosed. Honestly, oh, I see it compared here to the compounded pharmacy stuff. Yeah. I saw something else where it, it had a little bit in, it was only like 25 milligrams, but okay. Yeah. I see. Uh, 25. Yeah. The, another product that has multiple oh. things in it. And it contains yeah. some glutathione, 25 milligrams. But I see this now, 200 milligrams. Yeah, I don't think 25 milligrams is an efficacious dose to get no. much out of. Yeah. You know, no. I, all the research I've seen was more in the 200 to 500s. So I had heard about, um, speaking of, you know, basically at this point, we're talking about kind of some research stuff here. Um, I've been using their uh, L-carnitine. And I'll tell you what. I genuinely believe that it's helping my recovery from having gotten COVID. Like I genuinely in my heart believe like taking that, I feel better because I haven't been super consistent. I'll be honest with you. But when I take it that day, I'm like, oh, my God, like I feel like I'm coming around. And then if I don't take it for a day, which I didn't today, then I I don't have that same benefit. But it's supposed to be really beneficial for rebuilding mitochondria. So. Well, well, yeah, and that's well, what, what I was is, saying with COVID. A, that's huge. Go yeah. ahead. That's where you're going. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, a, it's a transport protein, and it transfer, transports the acetyl group, uh, which is the breakdown. Basically, it's a breakdown of fatty acids. It's the fatty acid group. It transports it across the mitochondrial membrane and gets it into the mitochondrial matrix, so then it can be used by Krebs cycle for energy, et cetera. So the benefits of it really are that if you're going to be able to utilize a little bit more fat as a fuel source, and when you're doing that, what are you not burning? Glycogen. So you're going to stay a little bit fuller, too. Yeah. So I think you'll notice a cosmetic effect when you're in shape. I, I know I do. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll I think with COVID, isn't there questions about the – basically, there's so much going on, um, I would say, basically, like with the mitochondria that you end up running – and, and I, I don't know if this is 
probably speculation, but you're running low on ATP or the conversion of glucose and basically to ATP. And that's why they're speculating and, and correct me if you've heard something different, but that's why they're speculating that the energy and the fatigue is so dramatic. That would make sense actually. From COVID. Yeah. So then adding creatine to that mix would make a lot of sense too. Huh. So that's what I mean. There's things synthesize. in there that you have to wonder if maybe we're not missing something that's actually quite obvious that could be of huge benefit. I mean, I'm telling from the you, fatigue and energy. Well, Scott's noticed it anecdotally. I'm telling the, you, like, yeah, like, the, I, it, and it's not something where, like, hey, I think this is working. It's like I took Clen and I could breathe better. Obviously, you know you can, right? You take Clen, you know it's working. It's yeah. on that level. So I'm happy with yeah. it. I'm going to keep running it. I, I actually use it year round. Do you? Um, not, not 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 as high as I do during like say like a contest prep phase, but um, you know I'll still take it at least three days a week. Um, okay. You know, throughout the year. Okay. Absolutely. Um, now Scott also pointed out though, and I know you guys did a podcast on this, and me and Scott have shared about fifteen emails about it over the last week or two, about how it downplays the conversion or the uh, utilization of T three. Yes. Uh, was that correct? That the podcast you guys did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that might explain why I say some people need to use more T3 when they're using uh, L-carnitine hmm. uh, as an as a um, supplement or injectable. Yeah, they he was saying that they actually use it at extremely high doses in cases of thyroid storm to arrest that. Yes, that's right. Yep. So that's that's pretty interesting if they're using it to counteract the effects of the thyroid. Right. Then right. Then, yeah. But it's and like I think that there's varying It's like ahead. super high doses. Nothing a bodybuilder would ever do. Oh, wait. No. Yeah, we don't go that high. <laughs> no. We're very no, I think it was like 10,000. Wasn't it like 10,000 milligrams daily, I think, or something? Is that like what that? it Whereas was? Bodybuilder will take like 500 milligrams, you know, yeah. not telling anyone to take 500 or 10,000. Right. Just saying <laughs> yeah. these are the, the stuff from papers I think Scott has sent me over the last week or, the, or things we've discussed. Because, you know, when you do an email with Scott, he cites like anyone that's read one of Scott's articles, the, the work cited, the research, the references are about as long as the articles. And even when he shoots yeah. you an email, he will reference the points that he's talking about with 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 links to the, the research papers like routinely. It's it's so impressive. True Nutrition has supported our programming now for a number of years, and I'm super grateful for it because they believe in us and I believe in them. I'm sure you guys have heard of Dante Trudell. We talk about him on the shows. Uh, he had a vision of offering high quality third-party tested supplements at a fair price. They have a ton of different protein powders, just about every type you could think of, literally thousands of flavor combinations. Hit me up if you're interested in suggestions. They offer health supplements. I use their collagen and their fish oil. And of course, they offer performance supplements. You can get bulk EAA powder or beta alanine. You can also get finished products like the Mountain Dog Perry MD Intra Workout. If you shop with True Nutrition and you use our code THINK, you'll get some additional savings, you'll get high quality supplements, and you will support our programming. You can also help to support the shows through Patreon. I appreciate everybody who's made a contribution. You guys are helping to keep me pumping these podcasts out. I have links to everything in the description. Check them out. Let me know what you think, and let's get back to the program. Are you guys familiar with a medication called uh, Kinolog? I am not. Kinolog. Uh, is, it type of, is it type of like an insulin or something? It's a corticosteroid. That's what it is. Uh, it looks like it's a, yeah. Yeah, it's a corticosteroid. Okay. 
a question from Andrew Nolan. Uh, ever use Kinolog for cystic acne? Have a friend not on 19 Nors and um, has used antibiotics from a derm, but no look. Looks like this uh, is a type of uh, fungal dermatitis. Uh, in my opinion, hygiene has been addressed, showering, etc. Um, I've used Kinolog 40 injections for joints uh, while in orthopedics, but never sub-Q for derm- dermatitis. Yeah, you know what? So I went to, I wonder if that's what they used. I went to a um, an acne clinic years ago uh, when I wanted to try to get Accutane. And they gave me injections like right into acne. And it was a steroid. And that worked. And I'll tell you what, um, betamethasone, it's a it's a super powerful cream. Like I want to say, I can't remember the, 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 the level of it, but it's kind of like if you take cortisone, cortisone is a certain level of strength. And then you take the next one up and that's like, I think it was like 20 times more powerful. And then betamethasone is like 100 times more powerful than that. And I've used betamethasone on acne spots and it, you know, huge reduction of inflammation. So it'll actually make. How about side effects? Well, okay. So when you use it topically, the issue is, is that with long-term repeated use, uh, a topical steroid can make your, your skin thinner in that area. So if you were to have really bad acne and you were to rely on this for an extended, extended period of time, it could be a problem. But I've actually, I've never talked about this on a podcast, but I thought I'd mention it now that just because it kind of ties in that I think using a topical, powerful, uh, you know, corticosteroid is a great way to get acne under control. Because I mean, you, you get, the, you know what it's like. It's like once that inflammation is there, it can take like a freaking week for that pimple to go away, but you can zap that inflammation, put the betamethasone on it the night before, you know, that night in the morning, the next morning, the inflammation is dramatically reduced and it'll heal faster. It's not a fix. It's not a way to like long-term combat acne, but it could be of benefit. It is a benefit. I've seen it happen. This key, this stuff, Ketolog, I'm not Ketolog. I'm not familiar with this drug in particular. I just did a quick check and if i'm not mistaken it looks more like a and and correct me if i'm wrong but essentially like hydrocortisone like it's a like it's a shot that would be similar so but i don't know if it's a brand name or i don't, I don't have enough time to check on it but i that's think, kind I of think it's stronger i think it's, a, it's a stronger than like your hydrocortisone like from okay. something All i just because right. I, I looked it up quickly real uh, as well because i'd never heard of the compound either but yeah, um either. i'm actually glad you brought this up scott because i had someone email me today about um starting to see some 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 acne and okay uh, that'd be a good thing to pass on so thank you let's see um versus cortisone and i'm over here going mm, never had to deal with it i don't know if i've just been lucky Same, i've certainly man. taken plenty of shit yeah i just have never i and in my experience i did find that the few times that i did it would be when blood levels were going up or blood levels were coming down and that's what i found with a lot of clients yes. once you're stable it's not as likely but there are those people who are prone to it and and it's so bad that it's just like they erupt. But then once yeah. those levels are stable, and I, I, I'm just being completely honest with you, with those people, I tell them you don't want to ride the roller coaster of going on and off. You want to try to ride your cycles, yeah, and get the most out so that you don't have to deal with as much of the fluctuations of blood levels because it's gonna it could end up scarring your skin. Yeah, the, the only time I've had was coming off. Yeah, yeah. 
the only time I've had them was like the t- like in a two three week period coming off, and then you're back down to baseline levels, completely normal. It's weird. It's kind of funny too because my back, I'll be like, God, my I feel like I cut myself. Shame. And what I'll end yeah. up with like one fucking, and I just hit it right or something with my belt, and all of a sudden I'm bleeding like someone stabbed me. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, oh, yeah. I have one like either zit or whatever the hell you want to call. It. I hate that word. It's so disgusting. Yeah. The word. Ah. But yeah, wait, wait, wait. I mean that's can about I, the. Can I talk about words? So I've been lucky. Can I talk about words for yeah. a second? Like, <laughs> talk about words, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, when a grown man sends you like an update and they've got certain words in there, like all right, like I'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm sending my check in to you guys, okay? And I say my tummy only hurt yes. twice this week. <laughs> I was just <laughs> gonna go there. Does that make you cringe and like like nails here, on a here's chalkboard? The, here's I'm like, the catch Ooh. though. Here's the catch. They have to have kids because yeah. I've heard myself say potty when do. my kids were younger and I'm thinking I'm a grown ass man. I just said the word potty. What the fuck? I bet kids are involved with that because it doesn't even relate to me anymore because my kids are grown. But I'll bet you that that's the deal. I'll bet they I'll bet he has kids. I don't think I'll there's kids involved. I don't think there's children involved. No shit. Then that's just wrong. <laughs> like I, I was Tell telling someone body. else this story. Yeah. I was telling my buddy Justin Randall this story when we were somewhere. That's I'm like, funny. do you ever get certain words and updates that just make you go like, Ugh. and I was told him that story, and he goes, he looked at me like sideways, like, are you fucking serious? Like a grown man sent that to you? Not to pick on my client if he's listening, but certain words just when you're a certain age, they make me squeezy. I guess. Labert. How often? Uh, or what specific points on and off cycle should someone get labs done to maximize the value of data without wasting money on getting labs too frequently? That's a very good question. To me, I'm someone that likes to see what the worst of it is. So like I'm the guy that does blood work a week out from a show because I want to know where my starting point for how bad things are is. So I typically do mine. 10 days or whatever out just to see when all the hard stuff's in there. Um, beyond that, like after you do like a hard, let's say you did like a 25 week prep cause you did multiple shows, you get it done either right then or right after the show. And then I probably would want to see it again, like eight to 10 weeks later, you know, just to know we're on the right path because the other thing, you know, like we kid ourselves a lot of times like, Oh, you know, it's been eight weeks and everything's clean now, you know, but it's probably only been clean for a few days or a few weeks. So <laughs> you got to, I mean, and I think, you know, like no one in this game at this point, you know, has the wool over their eyes in the sense of like, oh, I'm, I'm completely healthy. Like, I think we all know we're, we're, we're chipping minutes off of the old clock, you know, yeah. and it's our job, I think, as coaches to educate people of, you know, what compounds do that and to mitigate as much as we can the issues that you're going to have with those compounds and to be a guiding force of we're not going to run trend for 15 weeks in the off season. We're not, you know, like that kind of stuff. Um so, you know, just to answer his question, I think, you know, I like to see it at the worst of it. And then I like to see it again at some point later on. And then again, when you have a relationship with clients and long-term clients, you get to know, and you probably saved their blood work. You can look back, but you get to know like who's affected by what things. Yeah. So exactly. like I got a guy that I just took on maybe five weeks ago and he sent his blood work in and he's been responding crazy post-show and he's like, oh, I can push it. I'm good. And I'm like, well, let's see your blood work. His blood work came back when I say that not nothing was off, like nothing, liver enzymes, nice. HDL, like HCRP, like 
nothing was off. I'm like, dude, I think your gear was fake. And he goes, dude, my my last coach used to say the same thing. Damn. And I'm looking at him, and I'm and he it's, he doesn't look like someone that's on fake shit, obviously. So I'm like, dude, you have because this is another thing I talk about in terms of genetics. Some people just have really good yes. genetics when it comes to yeah. how they process and detoxify when it comes to compounds. Absolutely. And this guy is literally grade a top of the line food chain when it comes to that kind of stuff that's also where age people, plays a role too you know what i mean like, age plays a role so many factors but i've had yeah. other people where you're running a pretty innocuous cycle like you know 400 tests and like maybe you know an equal amount of an anabolic and no orals or anything and you get the blood work back and you're like oh dude we got to stop this now like yeah. like let's pull it back and and some people just don't have good genetics when it comes to processing compounds mm -hmm. that way I yeah. agree. I've even seen it on TRT where I look at the numbers and go, this can't yeah. be, this just doesn't look th this much damage can't be, you know, can't be happening yeah. right now. I'm going to agree with all pretty much everything you said, as far as the time frame and everything else. The only thing that I'll say that I do differently is I don't, I'd never get it done a week before I'd get it three to four and I wouldn't look at the results until after the show. <laughs> I'm just being honest. And the reason was, yeah. is if there was something and there never really was anything that made me go, holy shit. But I didn't want anything and I didn't want to stress about it because at that point, if everything was going well, you you know that your decision is going to be, I can push it another three weeks. That's just how oh, I wouldn't have changed anything. Think. I wouldn't yeah. have changed anything. It, I just didn't want it weighing on my brain. And it's funny, Scott, because you mentioned the, the uh, age and it's important not only and some people will do this they'll get their blood work and everything goes well for like three or four years then they start not doing it is for because they oh well it's going to be good i don't want to waste the time i don't want to waste the money don't kid yourself because until 2013 my blood work was fucking incredible and then all of a sudden i had blood work done and my doctor called me and said uh there's been a mix up at the lab they screwed up whatever oh, i'm gonna shit. have them redo he's like no give me another three days and he called me back in three days he's like you're gonna have to come in we wow. gotta talk. I'm like, well, I don't want to fucking come in. Like, obviously something's bad. Fucking tell me what's going on. Yeah. So we had a conversation yeah. about it. And that's when I had to change and drop to TRT at that point for what, five years or so. And it I just, remember that it, it was from now nowhere, literally out of the fucking blue. Now there may have been some reason that caused it, but I could never put my finger on and figure out what it was. So were, that's a prime example. What's that? Were you someone that was taking like all the health supplements that you might be taking now at that time? I was at that time. I was very vigilant about the stuff that I actually have fallen away from. And I've got it on my list of things to do to go back to it. But I had fallen away from it. I took there was one day I just took everything and threw it in the trash because I was looking at how much I money I, I was saying that. I did. And I just said, you know what? I am not convinced. I'm going to, I'm going to do damn near nothing for a year and I'm going to watch my blood work. And it didn't fucking change, but I was also on TRT at that time for another couple of years. And then I went back on and there's never been anything that has been, you know, like, Oh shit, I better do this or I better. But now I think just with age and turning the 50 marker, I'm like, there's, a, there's five or six things that I want to make sure that I get back in there. And it's funny because I'm looking at my phone right now and I've got it on a list of stuff, but that list has been there for a month and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't pulled the trigger yet. I have no idea why. Uh, probably just my list of, you know how you have a list of 30 things and it just continues to get pushed down. And finally you realize one day that shit's been sitting there for a while. I got to get that done. That was so I'm not saying not to say anything. I don't want anybody to think that. That's not what I'm I'm just saying with my situation. I got to the point where I just felt like I was taking so much shit that I'm like, come on, can it really be, you know, come on.
that was Elijah, and Elijah is actually watching live too. So cool, cool. Up, Elijah? So, thanks, fellas. Love the show. Appreciate <laughs> the answers. Uh, that's all we've got. You can go to bodyberry.com. You can reach out to Andrew over there. You can go to teamskip.com. You can reach out to Skip there. Skip, do you do you sell those hats? Your team skip hat? Because we've had people that are like, oh man, I want that. Uh, the beanies or something? Oh, yeah. no, no, no. You're talking about the, the baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. That was a, a client brought that to me from Australia. Oh, you're kidding me. Him and his me. wife came over here yep, uh, to visit. They've been over here twice. And last time he brought it, it was funny because we had moved and I could not find that fucking hat. I accused him of taking it home with him because I could not find it for almost uh, a year. And then I found it. So now I keep that. But yeah, he had that. It's a, it was a, uh, fitted hat and everything. It was perfect size. I love that thing. But I've had people ask me about. It. I have beanies, but I you don't, got beanies. Most people aren't beanie, beanie people. No, no. dude. I'm telling you right now. If you if you made up a hundred hats, you'd probably sell out of them within a year. No, no shit. Oh yeah, this. like like I sell a, a lot of stuff. And um, actually, anyone that's buying stuff right now, I'm donating all the profits to uh, the John Meadows Fund. Uh, okay, nice, cool. Help contribute that. Um, yeah, very so. cool. Nice. And of course, you can go to our sponsor, truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some awesome savings on awesome supplements. Um, I mentioned uh, Amino Asylum, Amino Dash Asylum. Uh, we've got a code over there, too, which that's taken off. I know a lot of our listeners have been shopping with them and using our code, which I appreciate because it helps to support our programming. You can go to Patreon. You can support us over there. I appreciate all you guys over on Patreon. You're helping to make this thing happen. I'm actually thinking about trying to use the Patreon money to hire a video editor. Um, that way I can actually do more content. Believe it or not, I have plans. I could do twice as much content if I didn't have to spend as much time editing as I do. So uh, that could be in the works here coming up. I appreciate you guys. You're helping to make this thing happen. And... Guess what? I appreciate you, Skip. And I appreciate you, Andrew. You guys are we awesome. We appreciate you too, Scott. We appreciate you. Exactly. We appreciate you too, Scott. We appreciate that you just said there's more money in the account too, because it's almost time for our contracts to be negotiated. So yes, true. we'll talk about that off the air though. All right. Wow, my rookie year is almost over. The numbers are gonna go up. <laughs> I got some I'm a free agent. I got I got a lot of offers. 